we've worshipped you. I'd love us just all to close our eyes. Jesus, everything is possible. No circumstance, no situation, no challenge. There is nothing that Jesus is unable to do. He is the answer. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. There's nothing impossible for him. But we must own that relationship. What worship does, it establishes a platform for us to say, Lord, lead us, show us. We want to walk with you. We want to hear from you. We want to understand. Jesus, I pray that as this morning is unpackaged in your presence, people just do not hear words but something resonates deep within us that gives you the permission to do what you need to do in our life you're a gentleman you will never force you will never make you offer so forgiving Lord even the words upon the cross in which you said Lord forgive them for they know not what they do but Lord they knew no you said forgive them for they know not what they do you are so forgiving you are so gracious you are so understanding but Lord we must own it we must own our position our relationship we must own it we must embrace it We must stand. And Lord, I pray that this morning we don't allow others to do for us what we need to do for ourselves in and through the power of you. Let us embrace our responsibility in the relationship in which you have sacrificed everything for us. in these few moments church I want you to embrace the part in which you play in this relationship in a marriage it's not one who does all the work it's the power of two choosing to work together Lord, this morning I pray just let this atmosphere get on the inside of every single one of us. Let us seriously make decisions that, Lord, we want to work with you. Take the responsibility for our life. Let us not blame others and situations and circumstances. Let us own our position. But, Lord, we ask you to work with us help improve our position strengthen us to make the right call 
to make the right decision. Just a moment more, church. Jesus. atmosphere, as I've said, everything is possible. In this moment, nothing is impossible. Relationships can be restored, can be rekindled bodies can resound, let every cell have the imprint of the name of Jesus upon it, that bodies can be healed. What is impossible through the hands of man, through circumstances and finances, in whatever it may be, the miraculous is a part of the offer in which Jesus says, I have given everything for you. Let us own what you have promised. And let us embrace what you have done. And let us hold fast to believing that my God can, irrespective of circumstance and situation. And Lord, as we travel through this service, the words which are spoken, but the empowerment of this moment will travel and carry with these people into their homes, into their businesses, in their relationships, into their health, into their soundness of mind and body. And Jesus, we commit our life to you and agree with you that you are the Lord of our life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Let's put our hands together and thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Well, grab a seat, everybody. I'm going to grab my podium if I could and my iPad and phone. That would be wonderful. Thanks, Sire. And thank you, team, for bringing us into that place this morning. Exceptional. So let's put our hands together for these incredible people. Ah, in the presence of 35 musicians and singers and worshippers. <laughs> Sorry. Bob. <laughs> that is wonderful, Bob. I love doing the journey with you. It's great, you know, like just getting into that place and, you know, this morning, you know, even my message, even then, when John said, and Bruce and I were chatting last night as well, it's just, you know, we've always got to give God space, you know, and not rush or push or, or be driven because of things. Now, we've got to respect people's time, which I will do this morning. But I also know very, 
very clearly, and what is very important, is that we own our relationships. Our culture has got into a culture which seems to blame everybody else for our actions and our behaviours. But we've got to own part of this. Things could have happened to you over the years, challenges that you may have had. And those challenges were highly challenging and in some ways framed and shaped you. But somewhere along the way, you've got to own you. Close your eyes just one more time. I want everyone to, if you're capturing one thing, this is it. I want you to own your position of that relationship with Jesus. Things have happened, terrible things to people's lives. But somewhere we have to move away from being the victim and saying, Jesus, I release and I forgive the past and the people. Because Jesus, our way forward is not determined by what has happened. It's by the decisions we make as we move forward. And today, Lord, I want that to be a message, the message, the strongest part of what I have to say today. Let us own where we're at and let us embrace our future with a new set of eyes, with a new heart, with a new step in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, good being here again. Thank you, Bob. I love being with Bob and Mary, great friends of ours, leading this pastor for years, being incredible leaders and great team in there. And I love all the little people. Don't say so cute. I thought our children, you know, like our children, we have grandchildren, all the rest of it. But they seem to have like said, well, that's it. There's no more. So I guess, honey, we're just going to have to have couple more kids. Sarah and Abraham relived. Bring it on home. But it is, our future is really upon our children and, and the relationships we have. And, and we can't ever forget those relationships, you know, and the importance of, of our, our life and our influence. You know, I'm going to move through some things. I, I have a message. I've constructed a message. It's here, but I give God space that if he wants to change tact, I'm very open to it because I know if I want to do my thing and he says that's not where I want to go, what I think so good turns up being custard. <laughs> so I don't bother these days. But it starts off, and you have to think about this, is that how did Jesus start this relational connectedness with us? What were the things in which were communicated to us? What things did he say to us that established this relationship? And I think above that, you know, if, if you look at the story of Jesus, we see his past, we see his relationship, we see him um, being, water, being baptized, going into the wilderness. But what was his first relational point of connectedness? What were the things in which he said that actually... Probably the most powerful things which are said are the things that you start with and the things you close with. And Jesus, we know, the very last few words that he spoke about is, forgive them, Lord, you know, they don't know what they do, and into your hands I trust you, Lord. And, and all of those things upon the cross. But how did the Lord start his ministry? What were the words that he said, not to the masses, but to the individuals? And the words in which he started with, you can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's all there. He simply says, come, follow me. 
It's not like, now sit down and listen. He didn't use that tact. He said, come follow me. And I'm, I remember that, you know, I read this, studied this in this a whole area some time ago, but I remember this, the stories of, you know, in the 90s, remember those armbands that we were given, which were WWJD? Oh, what does that mean? Will, William, no, no, what would Jesus do? Not what William or John would do, but what would Jesus do? Sorry, John. But in that, you know, that actually was an incredible moment in our Christian, I guess, history, is that that was a sweeping move amongst young people. Young people, by the way, young people. Because they were asking the question, and this was launched out of a thought which came out of a gentleman who wrote a book in 1896, and it was called In His Steps by Sheldon, uh, Charles Sheldon. And his book was written just on the basis of, in this situation, what would Jesus do? And it's a great question. And sometimes I think we go, what would I do? What have I learned? What have I... Instead of asking the question, in this situation, what would Jesus do? And I think today, not that we're going to bring back the armbands. We never know. They might come back. But the reality is I think it's a great question we need to keep asking ourselves in this situation. How do I manage? What do I do to actually take on this challenge, this position? In John 13, 12 through to 17 verses. He said, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? And here, the emphasis, he's saying, guys, do you know what I'm actually doing here? Really, just don't watch. Do you understand what I'm doing here? You call me teacher and Lord. We say all the right thing. You say all the right language. You use all the right terms. And you are right because that's what I am. And since... I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You ought to wash each other's feet. And that's where we usually stop with that scripture. Doing things for other people, doing things for others. But it continues and it continues on and says this. I have given you an example to follow. There it is again. I've given you an example to, follow, to do as I have done to you. Then he goes on and says, I tell you the truth, slaves, etc. But Jesus is just saying, I've shown you what you need to do. Do you understand this? And who here, when you hear something, gets it for the first time? I've said this countless times in this church and at men's meetings around, around the world, is that when a woman hears something seven times, she'll remember it for life. And don't you know that husband? She will never forget. But a man, 35. There's something wrong in that equation. I'm not sure what it might be. It might be that we turn ourselves off. Bruce and I are having a little discussion about that, Julie as well, about how we as men struggle sometimes to, 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 to zoom in and to zone in on conversations because we get distracted, because we're thinking about everything else. But can I tell you, I think sometimes we use our inability to hear as an excuse for not doing. Never, 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 Bob. No, thank you, Pastor Bob. Never. John 5, verse 19. Love this. The son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, 
the Son also does. Here is Jesus showing his disciples what they need to do. Then he's using in another verse earlier on, the Son only does what the Father does. And it's really here, Jesus is the greatest example of how to be a great follower, but also a great example and role model to how to be a great leader of within your life and in the context of where you put. And so often we forget about this and we forget about our followability. And that's really the word. How followable are you? How good are you to follow someone? And is, again, and I'll get to this statement in a moment, again, looking at your life, do you want someone to actually model their life off your life? Good question. We'll get there soon. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. In the, that was in the NIV. In the NLT, it says, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Paul has been modeling. Did he know Jesus directly? Did he have an encounter? He probably was around, but he wasn't identified in that relationship. But guess what? He was watching. He knew, he listened. Philippians 4 verse 9 says this. This is Paul talking to the Philippian church. He says, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Watch what I do. Listen to what I say and what I'm doing. Why don't you use it? Because it'll work. What does Paul said after that? Then God of, the God of peace will be with you. Things start to become peaceful and start to work in our life, not because I have a great idea. I've got a new way. It's usually that it needs to be modelled by someone else to you that we think and we know that what I've seen and what I've heard can help improve my future. The word follower of Christ is someone who imitates Christ. And I love this. And its primary meaning is to mimic, is to mimic what you do, I'll do. How do great actors become great actors? Naturally? Yeah. But generally they've been studying the, the behaviour, the words, the way, the presentation of others. How do great singers become great singers? They usually use a whole lot of other songs to actually find their voice, find it because they've actually mimicked by voice, by sound, by behaviour, others. That's nothing new in life. This is how life works. How do children, and why do children do things you go, ah, those kids, where did they get that behaviour from? I'm pretty sure they've been watching what's happening at home. And so often in life, we like to think, oh, it's just the sinful nature coming out. I'd go, no. I wouldn't say the same. I guess they've just been watching mum and dad probably a little bit too much and mum and dad haven't quite been the models that they should have been. We can blame our social standing, our educational system. We can blame everything again. But you know what? This leads me to my point, to my question I want to ask you as a church today. I say, oh, Pastor Greg, can't you be a bit more funny? This is a bit serious. No, I want you to own something today. This whole weekend, for my sense of what... I feel God is saying, he said, I want my church to own its position. I want my people to own their position. I want my people to own their decisions. I want my people, I can do only so much. I will not make you, but you must own where you are and the way forward. It starts in Christ, but he gives a lot of permission for us to actually make the decisions from here on. So 
C3 Adelaide Hills, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is my life worth following? If yes, why? If not, why not? Hmm. I thought it was just going to be, I know. But I'm doing what I feel the Lord has asked me to do. Is to pose a question to you. Is your life following worth following? And if so, why? If not, why not? And then what follows? What are you going to do about it? Oh, dagnabbit. Really? Yeah, because I'm not preaching to you. I'm sorry, I'm preaching to myself here. I'm having a conversation with Greg French right now. Is my life worth following? If it is, why? Can I understand why someone would want to follow me? But then there must be things and there could be things in my life which aren't necessarily that good. What do I need to modify? Amen? In John 14, verse 6, it says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I've loved that. And I think you've been doing the book of John, right? The book of John, incredible book. Chapter 14 is an amazing chapter. Because it talks about the persons of the, of the Godhead, talks of the Father, talks of the Son, talks of the Holy Spirit, all in one chapter, the whole thing. And it talks about this intertwined relationship of how it works. It centers around Christ, but through Christ, he does what the Father does. He is empowered. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. He is constantly intertwining his life, his person, and bringing to, to note who Christ is, who he is. As the Father is an, an, an I, and I am in the Father. All these terms. And the disciples are like, man, this is getting awkward to understand. And Pastor Bruce will unpackage this, I'm sure, next week. Thank you very much, Pastor Bruce, not Bob. But in all of this, it's like Jesus wants us to know that, again, in, in our life, as he showed us, as he was an example to us, as Paul said, I do what Jesus said, our life does matter, and it does matter what we do with it and how we present it. Life has so many twists and turns in it. So when that scripture says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. When Jesus was saying that, I looked at that scripture and I thought, okay, so I am the way. Jesus is the way. What is the way? And then I looked in that and I did a study around that and it sort of said, the way is the behavior and the action someone shows you to model that you know how to move forward and what behaviors you should express to others. Love that. Not just the way, it's a path. It's a behavior. It's a lifestyle. It's a presentation that helps people understand how can I move forward effectively having the influence over my own family and over those people who are looking on. Can I tell you in church life that people watch everybody else in church? I always say to the leaders in the church, if you aren't into it, you're like, oh, man. The worship leader says, oh, lift up your hands. And you go, oh, I don't feel like it. All right, oh, I've got to get up and preach now. I suppose I get up there. Everyone, let's lift up our hands. If you haven't modeled it, and I say this to pastors, if you haven't modeled it, don't expect anyone else to do it. So I, I talked from the, to the top, to, to, the, to the greatest, to the least. We have a responsibility as Christians to do that. 
1 Timothy 4 verse 12 says this, Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. It says, be an example. And be is not you have arrived at it. Be is to become something that you're not. Be is a decision that I'm not like this, but I will because I make a choice to be like that. What people say is powerful, but more so what people do. The mind retains images and pictures more so than it allows the resonation of words in our mind. Things which have been exposed to us, the power of images are incredible. I remember when I first went to school, my mother took me, I remember I was just a five-year-old little boy and, and this is going to be hard to imagine, you know, try to get a good picture of it and get the right image. But I was a very shy little guy. When I was little, I was so shy. And I remember going to school under my mother's dress. Probably not a good experience for her or I. I'm not sure. But I remember because I didn't want to see anyone. And when someone would talk to me, even when John was trying to embarrass me, trying to challenge the redness factor, you know that? When I was a kid, if anyone mentioned my name, I was a red, red light. I was so, in, anything could embarrass me. I don't know why I was like that. I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know what changed either or when that changed because I'm obviously not like that now. But I was so shy. And I remember going there and when my mother, when she pulled her dress over my head and tried to, Give me and the teacher, it was like a tug of war. I wasn't letting go of my mother. Then the teacher says, you need to come into the classroom. It was like a tug of war going on to get Gregory into this classroom and kindy. Anyway, I sat there and read, permanently read, embarrassed, didn't want to be there. When mum left, mum! <laughs> Did anyone have those experiences with your children when you first took them to school? No, okay, you've been probably great role models and helped them change and adjust to their new environment. But for me, it was like traumatic. This is not good. I don't like this. Anyway, my mother left and I cried. And then when she left and I was put at this desk with this person, I don't even know who it was. So I didn't want to look at them because I'd go red even more so. And then the teacher said this. She said, what we're going to do is that every day, all of us, Every single one of us here today is going to bring their favorite toy and show us and tell us about their favorite toy every day for this whole month. All I heard was favorite toy. And she said, and Gregory will be bringing his favorite toy tomorrow. And I went, oh, yeah. I was unsettled, but now I had an opportunity. My opportunity was to show something of my world to other people. Isn't that interesting? I came the next day, came along, and I brought my favorite toy, my big Tonka toy truck. It was massive. Remember the Tonka toys? I've been going to the older generation. The Tonka toy, that metal, you know, metal with sharp edges and everything that no parent would buy their children because they'd probably damage themselves on it. Well, I had one of those. And I, my dad out the back, he was always doing something around the place, but he had this big 
pile of sand and he never moved it. He loved it because it kept Gregory well entertained because Gregory took his big Tonka truck and put it down on the sand pile and he'd sit there for hours. Get in the sand, putting it in the truck, filling up the truck and then he'd get it and wind it up because you had to wind it. And as you wind it, the truck, the table at the back go up. As it went up, all the sand fell out. Then you'd wind it down again and then you'd start to do it again. And hours would go by. Hours. Day I walked there, my mother didn't need to bring me to school that day. I had my big Tonka truck. Brought my big Tonka truck in. Sat down at the table, but as I was coming through the gate, walking to the classroom, everyone would go, whoa. So I had a big yellow Tonka truck. I loved it. Sat down there and everyone's like, Ooh. I felt so proud. Not embarrassed, proud. Because I was about to do something that I'd never done before. But something in me wanted to do it, even hating the experience. So the teacher asked me, Miss Maheen was her name, still remember. Brought her big Tonga trunk out the front. Put it on the table in front of the classroom. Everyone's like. This is my big truck. Put sand in. You want it up? All the sand goes out. You want it up? There it is. Thank you. But I felt so proud. And that could have been the turning point. I don't know. But I never needed my mother's dress to go to school anymore after that moment. But what I do know, the power is that show and tell. It was not tell and leave it that to a young person's life. It was about showing, showing little people how to outwork their life. To show, then tell, to bring some understanding. But you know what? We learn far more from what we see than what we hear. And I think sometimes the church has got it all wrong. And if I follow the model of what Jesus is saying to us, he starts with the way, the truth and the life. And I'll move through this quickly. But the way is definitely to show people what it looks like, how to model it to others. So many things I could say here, but I'll just quickly go over it and get to my last two points because I really just want to use the last few minutes not to do something for you, but for you to embrace the opportunity of owning this responsibility and choosing to be a follower of Christ, but someone who mimics that others can watch and say, I don't know what they are saying to me, but I've watched their life and their life is worth following. There was a survey done with young people between the ages of 11 and 15. And they just wanted to know from boys and girls just a few things. What they saw valuable. And the things was they asked, what, what do you want from your father? It was a, a survey concerning relationships between sons and daughters and their dad. And sons just said simply this, I need you to believe in me. I want you, dad, to believe in me. Believe in me. And also trust me. Fascinating in itself. 
The second thing they said, don't withdraw when I'm withdrawing. I know I'm not really in the conversation with your dad, but don't withdraw. Push into me. Love that. The third thing that came out, which is fascinating, give me someone to look up to. Show me the man I should be. I thought that's powerful. That's 11-year-old to 15-year-olds coming to these conclusions. That was the words that they actually used. Show me. Don't tell me. Show me the man I should be. What about girls? What did girls say? They started off and they highlighted something which is interesting in itself. They said, I need you to affirm me. They didn't use the words believe in, but to affirm. Love that. Affirm me. Tell me I'm beautiful of my value to you. They spoke about, also, tell me I'm smart. Tell me I can do it, Dad. I love that. But their second point, which seemed very similar to what boys were saying, they said this. Boys said, show me the man I should be. But girls said, set the standard and be the standard. Love mum so I know what love looks like. Hello. Hello. A lot happens in our homes that we have pushed outside of our homes, relying on an educational system, the lives of other people, even the church. And can I say, it starts in the home. And what we do, how we behave, our children are listening. They are watching. They see at church where they get confused about things where at church, you're all, hi, Pastor Bruce or Pastor Bob and Pastor Mary. It's like, hey, pastors, oh, it's so good being in the church. Love it all. Kids are watching that then, and they're, they're hearing that. Then they go home and go, yeah, that pastor doesn't know what he's on about. What's he going on about? Our kids see one thing. They see in here and in another, that smile turns, oh, that pastor, hopeless. What would he know? Then they hear another. And we wonder why our kids get screwed up and confused about church. If we set the model about what church and relationships in church look like, I think church would look a lot different. But the fact is we've taken it away. I'm sorry, I'd love to give you, look, there is the power and here's God and God says and you will, maybe tonight. But this morning I know my, my commission to you, my responsibility today is for you to own your position and make a choice. And make the choice that I made me need to change my behavior. And as I said, whether you're in church, you want, oh, I don't know why our kids don't want to go to church. Because you're not in church. You're present, but you're not here. I'm not talking about this church, by the way, Pastor Bruce and Pastor Julie. I'm talking about other churches. But you know, when we're here, it's not because we're doing our duty. Jesus wants to say, I'd love you to be in a relationship with me. And if you proclaim and say I am a follower of Christ I want to imitate I want to do that if you say that will you do that will you choose to be that will you decide to outwork that bear with me the second thing he says there very quickly is this the truth I am the way the truth wow Ephesians 4 verse 25 says this stop telling lies well okay Paul why don't you get to the point Wait a minute, stop telling lies. Oh, nothing like a good lie. You know, a good lie just to massage and, and get you out of trouble in the moment. Unfortunately, it catches up with you. 
Yeah, but it's not a, it's only a white lie. Black, white, grey, purple, red. I don't know if there's any colour differences there. And maybe God's colour blind. And if he's colour blind, it's a white one. You go, no, no, it's not, it's a black one. Then you're in trouble. I'm sorry, I'm just following my line of thought. The reality is black and white, it's irrelevant. To God, black and white, it's not another colour, it's not another shade. The reality is if it's not the truth, it's not the truth. Love that. Paul says, stop telling lies. Why? The church at Ephesus obviously is telling a few doozies. We're using this to navigate around some interesting challenges. Read the books, find the story, go to Revelation, check it out yourself. Proverbs verse 12, 17 says, An honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lies. Fascinating. In the Hebrew word, and the meaning of witness, I found this fascinating, is Ed. Ed, not Mr. Ed, by the way. That was an old show. A lot of people won't even remember that. It was a horse. His name was Ed. It's called Ed. The, the word for their witness is Ed in the Hebrew. But listen to this. It, this is, the witness is the one who gives evidence or testimony of things or of people of what they have seen or heard and their belief of character in that individual to help, assist or correct. Don't you love that? We are, I'm just a witness. I'm a witness for Jesus. I'm excited, I'm on the street, I'm a witness for Jesus. Go back to your home, oh gosh, if that's a witness for Jesus, we're in trouble. The fact is our witness sometimes and our terminology doesn't align to our behaviour. The third point, closing with this. I am the way, my action, my behaviour. I am the truth, the words in which I speak, and the third thing, the life. The word there, life, also means the passion, the zeal, the attitude and the outlook in which we have on life concerning the future. Love that. We spoke a bit about this yesterday. There's a big difference between living and life. Living is existing. Life reproduces itself. And can I tell you, I'd love to reproduce good things in my life. My kids, and thank the Lord I got saved. I even remember my daughter years ago when I was chatting with her and I said, oh, honey, you know, all those things, oh, you're a good dad. And surely reinforces, you're a good dad. But I think of all the dumb things I did, which wasn't a good dad. But I remember Renee said to me, this is years ago, and one of the, the, the highest compliments, she, she said, you know, at the, at the wedding when she stood up and she, she was talking, her and Blake, when she married a man, great, great young man, and they've been married 14, 15, 17, okay, getting away now. But she stood up and said simply this, she said, you know why I love Blake so much? Because he reminds me a lot of my dad. <laughs> You know, in that moment, you're like, oh, dude, that's so sweet. I went back home. I remember that day hopping in the shower and Julie had processed Renee leaving, no longer in the home. But she'd been in the shower, prepared herself just to, to get that day to go off for a wedding. And, and I hopped in the shower the next day and there was a hairbrush with a blonde hair in it. And I just cried for about 30 minutes. <laughs> My little girl's gone. <laughs> Bob, cut that out, will you? Pastor Bob. But isn't that wonderful? But then I thought, 
I did a lot of dumb stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> How did you come to that conclusion? And I then read, I remember reading, even that after that night, or a few nights later, they said, God covers, um, covers our sins, a multitude of sins. God, God covers them up. And he covers them from those that we love and he loves. Thank the Lord for that. I could go through point form of all the dumb and stupid things I said and reacted and telling, throwing things out of cars of the kids and I, you name them, I've got stories. But they don't remember that. They only remember the wonderful thing. I'd be a Christian just to be a father, a Christian father, that God's going to cover all the dumb stuff I did for my kids that they didn't see all the dumb, stupid things I said and did. I just become a Christian because of that. But isn't that a wonderful thing? God covers a multitude. He covers, he prevents those in seeing. We won't always get it right, but it doesn't give us the excuse not to act upon it and bring change to our life. Does that resonate within you? I'm sorry, you know, I could have softened the blow a bit today. But honestly, and I'm telling you, I'm not talking to, my, to, to myself. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to myself. Because I think this is something we as the church push away from. God, do this. God, do this. Tonight, I will move into people's world in my gifting. I will do that. So it's not letting. But this morning... It's not me speaking into your life and, and telling you what you should do or how you should behave. I want you to say, maybe I need to change my life. Maybe I need to change my thinking, my conversation, my, my will. Because people are transformed more by what they see, the behavior which is, is before them, and young people will model, will mimic. They will respond to the words in which we speak when we speak about Pastor Bob and Pastor Mary, we speak well of them. When we're in an environment in church life where, you know what? I may have that opinion, but I'm not going to say that because I don't want my kids to get a bad opinion of that person. I'd hold, show grace to zip it and choose to be an example and a life worth following. Have I got it always right? Unfortunately, no. This is a good message, Pastor Greg. I think I'd apply to mine. So you're doing well with it? Sort of. The reality is I'm still working on it. As I said, I say all these things, you and we and now, I go, Greg, get your life together. Because I need to have this before me all the time and be reminded that Jesus started his ministry by saying, come, follow me, come, mimic. Let my life be an example and then say simply, Disciples, go out. Become apostles on what basis that you followed and mimicked and modelled your life enough and heard what I've got to say that are now, when you're on your own, guess what? Your life does look pretty good and worth following. The greatest compliment people can give you in church. I'm in church today because of you. And they don't do that because of all the theology you gave them. Because you loved them, you showed them, you showed them grace, you showed them love and you showed them who Jesus was not told them all the time who he was. You showed them. Amen? Amen? Let's close our eyes. And thank you, church, for listening. I know this, you know, I have many different styles, but as I've said, I've learned over the years, be true to what the Lord has given you and the message he has given you to allow people to make decisions, not just position people to constantly do I say no more.
And I guess here today, two things in closing, which always give this opportunity because, you know, in our life with Christ, sometimes our life gets a little shaky. And we can be in church, but we could actually move away from that relationship with Jesus and really be trying to find a way out of that relationship and out of the house. Two things. You may have never given your life to Jesus here today, in this room, or even online today. But I'd love to ask you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, or if you haven't, you're stepping away from that relationship, I'd love you to step back into that relationship or step into that relationship here today. So if that is you in this room here today, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to lift your hand, not to me, but to him. And that simple gesture and action is simply saying, Jesus, I want you to be the center of my life. I want you to be in my life. And I want to be an example of your life in Jesus' name. So if that is you here this morning, I want you just to raise your hand and say, Pastor Greg, that is me. That is me. I just want to get my life right. Thank you, sir. That's great. You may put your hand down. And the Lord saw that hand. There's just one other person wondering whether they should or not. I always go, never wonder. No. So if that is you, and it's a younger person as well. But I give that opportunity today for every single one of us. And all of us are going to pray this prayer with that gentleman who raised his hand. And also that other young girl. I know you're wondering, but we will pray and stand with you that that prayer is a prayer which seals the deal for your future and prepares the way forward. Can we all stand? I want us to pray this prayer, every single one of us. Not because, oh, we're praying this prayer with those people who may have lifted their hands. Or for others, no, no, no. I'm praying this prayer because I want to make sure when I leave today, I'm squeaky clean in the right spot. No blemishes. No blemishes. I, I, I want to be, you know, by this afternoon, you know, obviously Julie will remind me there's a few blemishes which have snuck out during the afternoon of conversation. Stuff happens. But I want to make sure I'm positioning myself that my life is a good example. And the dumb stuff, Lord, just cover some of the dumb stuff I do. But let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I give you my life so that I may be known by you. And today, Lord, I ask you to forgive me, to save me and make me whole and one with you. Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm saved. Amen. The second thing. I want you to keep your eyes closed. And this is between you and the Lord. I'm not going to, I'm closing my eyes. I want everyone on stage, close your eyes. But I want you to make a decision, a choice. If you want to say here today as we conclude, Jesus, I want to be an example to my family to my friends, to others. If you feel you just have and should be that example, not that you haven't been doing it. I'm going to tell you, you won't see it because your eyes will be closed. But I'm raising my hand. I'm not asking anyone else, but I want you to raise your hand 
if you simply say, Jesus, I've got my eyes closed. Raise your hand right now. If you want to be and let your life be an example, take ownership and responsibility of where you stand. My eyes are closed. I don't know who's raising the hands. I have no idea, but he sees every single one of those hands in this building today. And Father, it's a decision that we make. And today in Jesus' wonderful name, I have lifted my hand and I'm sure others have lifted their hands, whoever they may be. But in Jesus' mighty name, I pray, as I have lifted my hand, as we have lifted our hands, we pray, Father, that we are making a decision that the things we need to change in our life will make our life a life worth following. Put your hands down. Now open your eyes. We're in agreement together. We're two or more agree. And I'm sure I wasn't the only one with the hands in the air. And you need two people, just two. I'm sure there's one other. Bruce was standing with me for sure. I was feeling it in the spirit. I didn't see. I didn't see Bruce. I had my eyes closed. The church, the future is in our hands. The responsibility lies with us. We have to own our position. And the way the church sees the growth in which this church shall see and things shall change. Not because of what Pastor Bruce and Pastor Julie and the team may be doing. It's because we make a decision. We choose to be responsible for our life and that we become ambassadors, not Sunday church seat sitters, but ambassadors because we are a representation of another kingdom where people are seeking, where people are looking, and we are it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you, church. Thank you very much.